Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. On this week's edition of the Howl, lots to touch on. We're going to cover the three most recent games, looking at the positives, although be it not a lot of them, and of course the negatives, breaking down some complete games, but really taking a look at some fourth quarters and diving deep into what the issues are for the Wolves and how they can hopefully fix them going forward. Lots to discuss on this week's edition of The Howl, and we are going to start off by taking a look at the most recent game against the Los Angeles Lakers, as it was a pretty good game. There was a lot to touch on from this game. Of course, before we jump right into that, I guess it's probably a good moment or a good time to talk about what we heard recently in regards to D'Angelo Russell. Now, D'Angelo Russell, of course, for anyone that's not aware already, was a player that had been out already for a little while. D'Angelo Russell, very important to what the Timberwolves are building, depending on who you ask. I think there are some people that are a little down on D'Angelo Russell and think that we're maybe better off without him. There's people that feel like we lost the Wiggins-D'Angelo Russell trade. There's so many takes out there, it's tough to keep track. But they did uh, say yesterday that D'Angelo Russell is going to be out now for four to six weeks. Now, uh, the unfortunate thing there, obviously, is that the Wolves, when you look at what they've been able to do since they acquired D'Angelo Russell, they have only had five games, that's right, five games total, where you were able to see D'Angelo Russell play with Carl Anthony Towns. You know how many minutes that has been? 115 minutes. That's it. 115 minutes is all we've been able to see of D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns playing together. When you're talking about the future, or when you're talking about the now, the biggest thing from this season, if you're not going to be winning games, was you wanted to be able to evaluate how good could Towns and Russell be together, and you're not going to get that. That's the unfortunate thing here is you're not going to get much of that. So hopefully he's able to come back sooner than later. But here is the issue that you run into with D'Angelo Russell. So 
What's ended up happening is he does need arthroscopic knee surgery. And this is not the first time he has had this happen. He actually, in 2017, had to have the exact same thing done uh, on his knee. And to me, this uh, unfortunately screams that there could be some cartilage issues uh, going on with his knee. So that's going to be something to monitor going forward. Time will tell. There are obviously are medical breakthroughs that have happened in terms of the knee and specifically cartilage. They do actually offer artificial cartilage now. There's interesting things going on in that area of medicine. So you wonder what the course of action is going to be. Uh, specifically, they're going in, by the way, to remove a loose body in his left knee. If you want to get, uh, I guess I can't really call it technical, as a loose body uh, just kind of seems like a real generalized term. But unfortunately, again, he's going to be out four to six weeks. Uh, so far on the season, he's averaging just over 19 points and just over five assists per game. Really unfortunate that you're not going to be able to uh, see that pairing anytime soon. Uh, my understanding is I believe he's going to miss somewhere in the 15 to 20 game range. So we'll see how the Wolves are able to do with that stretch of games without D'Angelo Russell. The nice thing is this is going to give us an opportunity to take a look at Ant as more of a primary ball handler. You're going to be able to hopefully get a really good look with uh, the Timberwolves and Jordan McLaughlin because I think a lot of fans, myself included, would love him to be a part of the long-term plans with this team. I really like what he brings to the table, not only as a backup guard, but when he's been able to get starter minutes because he needed to due to injuries or things like that, he's been very impressive. I don't know anyone that doesn't... Like, who's out there watching Jordan McLaughlin and isn't happy or thrilled with what they've been able to uh, get out of him? So you're going to get a look at him. Jalen Noel is another player that I think there were con some concerns. If you're fully healthy, is he going to continue to get minutes? And he absolutely should get minutes. No question. In fact, if we're going to talk about Jalen Noel, and I've brought this up in the past, he really impresses me on the defensive end. He's had a few more lapses as of late, but overall I really like his effort on that end, and I think he offers some potential as a really solid two-way player, so not just one way, which we see on a lot of our players. We have a number of guys in this team that are very offensive-focused or very defensive-focused. Not a lot of guys that do good play on both ends, but that's what we're getting from him, at least in, in my mind. So that's, that's interesting to see. I want to be able to get a really good feel for Jalen Noel. Eventually, Jarrett Culver is going to come back. Obviously, last season, we saw him play a little bit of a wing role, but also they used him a little bit at point guard. I don't think that worked very well. But he's a guy that probably, you know, they'll, they'll probably experiment a little bit with the way they use him during D'Angelo Russell's absence. So lots of little things to touch on. And hopefully, Ricky Rubio can break out of the slump. Ricky had a nice game recently against the Raptors, which was good to see. You'd like to see him kind of become that player consistently. Someone pointed out a, a funny stat, and the Wolves win every game where Ricky Rubio scores four or more three-point shots. So I found that interesting. Or not interesting, but just uh, amusing. Obviously, a made-up stat like that. While be it true, I think uh, there's more to it than that because if Ricky Rubio is scoring four three-point shots – he's able to pick up an offensive uh, load that he normally cannot. One of the issues with Ricky Rubio, of course, is that he's a liability at times on offense. He absolutely has been this year. And you're not getting the good passing. You're not getting the smart decision-making that you're used to seeing from Ricky Rubio. That's part of the issue uh, that we've seen so far. So 
interesting to say the least. I do want to touch on, we talked about how he just had that good game against the Raptors, and not just him, but the Wolves in general. 116-112 was the final. Now, we're not going to dive deep into that game like we are the Lakers and the Pacers games, but uh, just to kind of go over that, we're starting to see the blossoming of Anthony Edwards in this game. What's nice about uh, Anthony Edwards is you're not just getting scoring but you're getting rebounding, you're getting assists. 18 points, 7 boards, and 3 assists in this game, which is good to see. We're not getting a great defender so far in Anthony Edwards, I would say. It's not a lack of effort. It's just going to take some time. When you look at the way he played in college, I don't feel like he was necessarily expected to be a defensive player. And now that is definitely a focus, and he's talked about that. He wants to be a more complete player. He doesn't want to have lapses, and so that's going to be important. Uh, one guy that I'm, I guess I'm, it's interesting, I'm not sold on Jared Vanderbilt at this stage. I think he could be a quality rotation player, but he's not your long-term answer at the power forward position to me. I think the guy, if there's anyone on this roster that could be that guy, it's Jaden McDaniels. Now, I think we're fortunate that we get to see Jaden McDaniels play at all. A lot of people, I think, myself included, came into the season thinking he wasn't going to play much. I didn't think he'd be ready. He's absolutely ready to play. He's able to play at a high level on defense. He can make open shots on offense. He's a very solid player and a more complete player than Jared Vanderbilt. And we're going to actually get into that a little bit more when we touch on the Laker game. But Jared Vanderbilt, 12 points, 7 boards, and 2 assists. You'll take that from Jared Vanderbilt, right? In 23 minutes, I mean, that's absolutely something you take. Jaden McDaniels, by the way, only 18 points in this game. I want him getting more minutes. I absolutely do. Jordan McLaughlin gets 19 minutes. Ricky Rubio with 30 minutes. I'd probably like that to be a little a little closer, but I don't want them playing together. So if this is what we need to do to not get two point guard lineups, I'm fine with it. Especially given you want to get Jalen Noel minutes. And you know, in this game, for example, he's only getting 14 minutes. There's not a lot of minutes to go around for some of these players. And it's good to have that problem, right? You sit here and you say to yourself, all right, so the Wolves played 11 players in this game. Most games, you're not going to want to play 11 players. Who's going to be the odd man out? Well, to me, the guys that make sense are going to be Juancho or Ana Gomez and Josh Akogi. Those are going to be two guys that, to me, don't need to play a whole lot. And this game was a good example of that. You win the game 116 to 112, and Ernan Gomez and Okogi, nine points for Wancho and seven points, or sorry, nine minutes for Ernan uh, Gomez and Okogi with seven minutes. Okogi, by the way, zero points, one rebound. Anyone that's been watching Josh Okogi recently, I don't think you're going to sit here and say that you've been impressed. Even on defense, I don't see him making the big impact I thought he did one at one time. I really thought of him as a, just an amazing defender. And part of it could be that I'm swayed by his lack of offense and maybe that's clouding my judgment of his defense regardless if there's one guy on the team right now that I don't care if he gets minutes it's definitely Josh Okoge and I have heard rumblings there are some rumors out there that the Wolves have put Josh Okoge on the trade block I think the the way to look at this is my understanding is is around the league he is thought of higher or he has a higher value than most people realize but it's, it's still not a high value, if that makes sense. It's just higher than maybe fans uh, around the league probably would think. You think about Josh Okoge, and a guy that comes to mind is a player that just got signed by the Nets, and that's uh, Andre Roberson, a guy that really doesn't have a lot for offense but is a very solid defender. There's, there's only so much room for players like that in this league. I think Josh Okoge has a place in this league. Maybe what he needs is a change of scenery. I think having Ryan Saunders as your coach 
Ryan Saunders, who is definitely arguably one of the worst coaches in the NBA right now, head coaches anyways, I think that makes things tougher because you have a coach that's not necessarily going to know how to put you into a position to succeed. And so a change of scenery to me could be exactly what Josh Okogie needs long-term. That's where I'm sitting with that. Uh, but again, a solid win for the Timberwolves in that Raptors game. A lot of guys were able to uh, contribute, and that really helped. You're talking you know, 20 from Beasley, 20 from Towns, 18 from Edwards. These are really solid, solid games. This is what you want to see. Malik Beasley, by the way, you know, he had just complained about not getting enough minutes. He felt like he is in the best shape of his life. He wants those minutes. He got 37 minutes in this game, which was good to see. Carl Towns, 33 minutes, which is pretty good considering he just came back from a long absence due to COVID. And you weren't really sure when he comes back because he talked about how at times he had it pretty bad. And with that, and given what we know about COVID and how it affects the lungs, I had questions about how much he was going to play. And I think that's what's great about the way the Wolves handled this specific situation is that they really wanted to get him to a point where when he got into the games, they could use him and not just have to use him sparingly. And that's what we're seeing now, which is good to see. Let's jump in now to that next game, uh, the game against the Lakers. I think that's where we want to uh, jump into next. And the way we're going to touch on this is I have some kind of more broader points to go over a little bit. And then the big thing I want to touch on is kind of the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. Going to kind of watch that live uh, as I'm recording and just kind of give my feedback of the different things that kind of go on in the game and kind of how we got to the different points that we did, positives, negatives, and all of that. So uh, let's with that in mind, let's jump right in. Now, when you're looking at this game, I kind of went back uh, once already today just to kind of examine some of the points or some of the areas where I felt the Wolves maybe could have made some changes or were lacking uh, as far as play or maybe with uh, the coaching. So let's take a look here. We are at two minutes to go in the third quarter. Uh, score is 79-77. to 77. So Wolves have that two-point lead. And uh, what are they able to do? Can they build? Where do things go wrong? So Jordan McLaughlin drives in, makes a really nice uh, score, actually goes is able to uh, make a uh, opposite side uh, shot, which was good to see, and avoid the block, which would have been coming right there from Montrose Harrell. Now here's the interesting thing, and this is where I felt like it kind of started to go sideways a little bit. So... Let's take a look here at the group that's actually in the game right now. So you've got J-Mac, you've got Nas, you've got Josh Okoge, Jaden McDaniels, and Jalen Noel. Now we talked about how Josh Okoge tends to be a player that just doesn't have a lot of positive aspects to his game right now. That's not my opinion. I would say that's actually just a fact. And here's what happens here. Josh Okoge and Jordan McLaughlin are doubling one player, and then no one decides to guard Morris, who's able to take a wide-open three-point shot, and just like that, it's 81-80. So instead of a four-point game, now the Wolves, just like that, only have a one-point game, and things really started to change from there. I'm not totally sold on this lineup, and I would say my biggest concern would be Josh Okoge. I think the rest of the guys in this lineup, obviously, have the ability to hit shots. So if you're going to put, I guess I would say this, if you're going to put Josh Kogi out there, you want to put him out there with some shooters. And that is one thing that Ryan Saunders did. But just like that, the Wolves are down 83-81 to 81 as they're not able to score, and the Lakers come back down in transition and are able to get the easy bucket. Now, you're watching Josh Kogi. He does this thing too, too often where he drives in and just takes an out-of-control layup. And he does just that again. Drives in and takes this 
contested, weird, like almost falling out of bounds shot. And guess what happens? Lakers get the ball after that, push it in transition, leads to a wide-open Alex Caruso three-point shot. It is now 86-81. Now that's a 9-0 swing. Makes a huge difference. And a big part of that 9-0 swing is, guess it, Josh Okogie being a part of this rotation and just making bad decisions both on offense and defense. Luckily for the Wolves, it wasn't all bad to end the third quarter as Jordan McLaughlin is able to hit a three-point shot and then as the, this is such a weird play here, but LeBron, with four seconds left, takes a logo shot, airballs it, and it goes out of bounds. So it's 86-84 at that stage. Could have been worse. I think the Wolves are actually pretty fortunate that it wasn't worse there. The interesting thing uh, at the end of this quarter, actually, is so we throw it into we throw it into Jordan McLaughlin, who then, as he gets the ball and just is trying to maybe get a shot off, at half court. I mean, it'd be a heave, of course, but he gets tripped. He actually gets tripped by Alex Caruso. No call. He doesn't complain, and the Wolves don't complain either, by the way. It's just watching that. It definitely seemed like a trip, if you ask me. And the reason I bring this up is I watched last night's game, and I really felt like there was a lot of really questionable calls. On top of that, and maybe I'm not, the, maybe I'm the only person here that doesn't think of this, but who else thought of Marcus All as a flopper? We saw multiple instances of Marcus All being an absolute flopper uh, when this game. Different aspects actually end up getting two different Towns fouls, and we'll touch on one of them a little later because it does occur in the fourth quarter. But early in the first quarter, we had two different calls that went on Towns that were really bad calls, and it ended up having to cost us some minutes as Carl Towns had to come out a little earlier than I think Ryan wanted to have him come out in that first quarter due to two, due to fouls. And I, again, the first two fouls that Cat got in this game were absolutely not fouls. No questions asked. And again, the one thing that I bring up is the flopping. So Marcus All takes a shot. Cat sort of contests it. And then Marcus All backs up. Cat's not facing Marcus All. As he backs up, he bumps Gasol, who falls over. And thankfully, the refs didn't give him three, three shots because it was later. But it was not a foul. Jim Pete was absolutely, I guess, offended would be a good way to put it. He was very upset, and he said, there's no chance that that happens if you bump Marcus All like that. It's ridiculous, and it's a flop. So, anyways, jumping into the fourth quarter now, and here's the issue you run into with the fourth quarter. Lineups. And we're going to continue to harp on this until Ryan Saunders figures it out, right? So here we are. There's 12 minutes to go. And here's the lineup we're starting with, by the way. So it's Josh Kogi, thumbs down. Malik Beasley, good to see him back in. Nas Reed, we're still going to give Towns a little bit more of a break. Jordan McLaughlin and Jaden McDaniels is your lineup. Not a bad lineup necessarily, although Josh Kogi uh, leaves a lot to be desired, if you ask me. Jordan McLaughlin, while I think he does uh, have the ability to hit some three-point shots, I don't know that anyone necessarily like refer to him as a shooter. But I, I do trust him in that regard. So ultimately, if you look at this lineup, you've got guys, again, with Josh Okogie that I think offensively can make some shots. The issue with this lineup that I have, though, and this is common in this game, is who are you going to play when LeBron is out there? And to me, the biggest issue that you run into is that the guys that can't guard LeBron for much of this game were the guys that Ryan Saunders had guard LeBron whether it was Josh Okogie, whether it was Jaden McDaniels, who ends up uh, early right in the beginning of this fourth quarter, gets beat off the dribble by LeBron. LeBron scores. Now it's a four-point basketball game. To me, you have to do this 
correct. You have to use guys correct. Whether it's Anthony Edwards, who I think uh, showed some ability there. I think Vando at times did a pretty good job as far as guarding uh, LeBron James. There's no perfect answer, right? I mean, it's LeBron James. It's one of those things where he's going to get most of his points. But be smart about it. Jaden McDaniels isn't going to be able to stop him. I mean, that's to me, that's asking for failure. When you watch that happen, I just don't think you're setting yourself up well. And there were numerous instances in this game where we did not stagger players properly. For whatever reason, and I don't know what it is, but Ryan Saunders likes to do the hockey lineups. He likes to go five out, five in, and he likes to do the rotations that way instead of staggering players. That was, to me, maybe the most costly thing in this game because what you saw from the Lakers is that they staggered appropriately. They let LeBron James be the guy that was with the starter or with the bench. So he was the starter with the bench, and I thought it paid off very, very well. I thought it was very important and a big part of what we were able to do here. And we did have a – so now we're talking. We're at about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Wolves are down just four, which I think it could have been a lot worse. But Nas Reed gets a, gets a really a ticky-tack foul. I mean, it's a foul. It is. And he complains a little bit. But Nas Reed at times does have this issue where he picks up these little kind of ticky-tack fouls. But we're two minutes in now, so 10 minutes to go. And the Wolves still have not brought back in their starters. I think at a certain point, you have to be smarter than this. Because how far down are you going to be when you finally bring back in the guys that you have on your roster, right? The whole point of your starters. Now, people like to say it doesn't matter who starts the game, it's who finishes it. But I think in this instance, we've shown that the five guys that started are the same five guys you probably want to finish this basketball game. There's other players that you could maybe make the case for, but at a minimum, you need one of Anthony Edwards or Carl Townsend right now because in this specific game, Malik Beasley just didn't really seem to have it. He, he just did not seem to have it. And so to me, Malik Beasley's not the guy that you want in right now as the lone starter. The lone starter that I would have in right now would be Anthony Edwards, and he proved it last night. He was dominant, and he was able to be really, really solid with the ball in his hands. He's proven already he's one of the top isolation players in the league, even at this young age. He's been very, very impressive uh, as far as isolation offense. To me, that's the guy you want in there. And this is another example. We touched on how Malik Beasley just kind of didn't seem to have it necessarily in that game last night. It's another instance, and we've had this more than one occasion, games that are absolutely winnable. The Wolves are in position to win those games, and to me, the difference is Malik Beasley. We've had a number of close games where Malik Beasley just did not show up. I'm not ripping Malik Beasley. He's been our most consistent player on the season. There's so much to like about his game. I am a huge Malik Beasley fan. But it's just unfortunate that the timing of his off games coincides with other players stepping up. And that's the issue as a whole. It's not Malik Beasley's consistency. It's the team's consistency. We have just not been able to put together consistent games where many players are playing well as opposed to a few. So now LeBron is able to score, and just like that, we're down six points. And it, it maybe doesn't seem like a big deal, but to me, it's a mental thing, right, where you're saying, all right, now instead of being down uh, two two-point shots, I'm down two three-point shots. And to me, that starts to be a little bit more daunting, but guess who comes right back to save us again? It's Jordan McLaughlin. It's a big-time contested three-point shot, and the Wolves are just back down to three points. Now, you're looking at this, and it is nine minutes to go in the game. Wolves actually 
have a shot at getting the basketball after a three-point miss, but nobody boxes out Montrez Harrell. Josh Okogie's just standing there. If a shot goes up, put a body on another player. This is, to me, it's, I mean, it's not rocket science. This shouldn't be that hard. And the play before that, LeBron James got the angle on Josh Okogie and scored again. So we're going to sit here and say to ourselves, Josh Okogie is playing for his defense. He's not giving you that. He shouldn't be in the game. This isn't hard. I don't understand what Ryan's issue is, but his rotations are maddening. And now we're under nine minutes, and it is now a six-point basketball game after that. Back to that. So is Jordan McLaughlin going to step up? Is he going to find a way to get something done again to really keep us in this game? Or are they going to be able to get a stop, and are they going to push this lead? That's the big issue that you run into and why I wanted to bring the starters back in sooner than we did. That's been a consistent, and it's not just this game. We see it almost every single game. It's a really constant problem with Ryan Saunders' rotations. He does not know timing. Timing is the biggest thing. I think as an NBA coach, in-game, timing is so crucial, whether it's timing of timeouts, whether it's when you make adjustments, whether it's you know when to make decisions at end of games, like am I going to foul Am I going to play some defense? What are we going to do? And as I say that, by the way, another Lakers bucket, and now the Lakers are up nine points. And here's the deal. This didn't have to happen. There's eight minutes to go, nine-point basketball game, and a big part of that, again, is the rotations that Ryan chooses to use. All right, as we move on now to the uh, the kind of the next segment, and, and we're going to finally see some adjustments made by Ryan Saunders out of this timeout here. So you're talking eight minutes to go. Obviously, LeBron's in. You got Alex Caruso. You have Morris. You've got a good lineup in for the Lakers. And finally, we have our starters back in. The only difference would be Ricky Rubio's not in yet, and I actually like that. I think Jordan McLaughlin, for what what you get for this team, Jordan McLaughlin is the better player, for me anyways. Now, you look at what happens, and this is what I'm going to bring up here, is being smart with the basketball and knowing who your strongest players are. And to me, we saw a little bit too much at times of not full-on hero ball, but sort of like that, whether it was Ant, whether it was Vando at times, whether it was Beasley. I just watched this game and said to myself, I have some concerns because you know who didn't get a single shot up in the fourth quarter? Carl Anthony Towns. How are you going to win a basketball game when your best player isn't getting touches? And that's on the coach, because you know as a def- as a so as a coach, right? So you know your team has as something that they want to do, right? I want to get the ball to Carl Towns, and I want to get him the basketball because he's our best player, and he's going to be able to not only do some facilitation, but he's going to be able to score the basketball. So you're the Lakers, and you say, all right, we're not going to let Carl Towns be the one that beats us. We want someone else to stop us. We want someone else to be the reason we lose this basketball game. So let's take a look at the starters, right? Is Vanderbilt the answer? He's not. Vanderbilt's not the answer. And they're going to let Vanderbilt get his shots off. They're going to let him be a little more open than they are some of the other players on the team because it just makes sense. You're playing the percentages. Now, with seven and a half minutes left, we do pull Malik Beasley because he's been in for a little while, and he looked gassed. He absolutely looked gassed. And when you pulled when you pulled him, what you end up going with is the dreaded two-point guard lineup that, for whatever reason... You see Ryan Saunders being obsessed with. And the first thing that happens, by the way, out of that is absolutely 
Poor play by Ricky Rubio. So the first play he comes in, and what we're going with is a is a pick and roll. But here's the problem: as as the guy that has the basketball, as the ball handler, you have to wait for the screen to get there. And Jim Pete got really upset during the telecast about this, and as he should have, because Ricky Rubio goes too soon. Cat's not able to set a proper screen. So not only is Ricky not really fully open, but Carl Towns isn't able to slip that screen and get open properly either. Ricky passes it anyways. It's a turnover, and it leads to an easy transition bucket. And just like that, Wolves are down now. Seven minutes to go, down 11 points. Two-point guard lineup does not work. There were better ways to handle this, and it's just be, it's beyond frustrating. And you saw a number of possessions in this game where I felt like the Wolves really did a poor job of trying to force the ball to Carl Towns. And I don't, it's it's maddening. And just like that, by the way, the Wolves try to force the ball to Towns. It's not there. He throws it back out to Jordan McLaughlin. Jordan gets a wide open three-point shot. He's not able to capitalize. And what happens in transition? The Lakers score again. And just like that, the Wolves are down 14 points. I mean, it's so frustrating to see that you have this opportunity. You're in the game against the defending champions, right? Anthony Davis isn't playing. You have a chance to win this game. There's things that you want to see from this lineup, from this team, and you're not getting it. And a big part of that is coaching. And that's what gets so frustrating as you watch these games. Out of that timeout, so Wolves call a timeout. Rubio gets the ball, gets it to Cat, or sorry, gets it to Ant, who then throws it to Cat. Cat is such a smart player. He drives in, and what do the Lakers do? Lakers end up, for the most part, leaving Ricky open. Ricky's going to take the shot. And this is where I want to touch on, again, Marcus All with an absolute flop. Barely gets touched by Cat or Cat's leg, maybe, and th- like flies out of bounds. I'm sorry, but as an official, you have to say to yourself, all right, it's not realistic. There's no one on the court right now that could bump Marcus All and have him go flying across the gym, right? Nikola Pekovic isn't in this game. And I would argue, even if he was, Marcus All, I'm sorry, but if someone bumps you, you're not flying across the room. It's flopping. I would love, number one, for the NBA to, to call flops here. So after the fact, you know, the NBA has a flopping rule. Let's see it called. Let's see him get in trouble for this. But on top of that, this is an opportunity for the refs to watch these games back and say, all right, you know what? I got fooled. That's fine. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So if you're the official, you've now bought two different flops by Marcus All. You have to be better at your job, and you have to understand that that's something that he does, and going forward, referees need to address this, and they need to referee the games, the games accordingly. That's what I want to see. That's what I need to see. Whether we're going to get that or not, I don't know. But I, I, that's what I want to see. Now, the Wolves are able to get a stop after that, and they get the ball to who else? Anthony Edwards, who hits a sort of contested three. It's not an easy shot. And trying to get the Wolves right back into this game, right? Now we're down 11 points. And at this point, you feel like you get a little bit of momentum at that point. So let's keep it going here as uh, Wolves at this stage are down 103-92. to 92. Unfortunately, then you do have a foul on Malik Beasley. We'll kind of start to jump ahead a little bit, but uh, watching that replay back of the Anthony Edwards three, so impressive. Puts him up to 21 points in the game. He was instrumental in the uh, attempt at a comeback in this one. Ant bringing the ball up. That's one thing you're seeing, too, with D'Angelo Russell out. It's just seeing more Ant as the primary ball handler. So he's got the ball top of the key. They double him, throw it to Cat, who gets it to Ricky Rubio. And unfortunately, 
one thing we've started to see more recently is a lot of times when Rubio gets the ball, that's not a good thing. But in this case, it worked out. Vando cuts. Rubio is able to hit him. And now you are back to single digits, down just nine, five minutes left. Uh, anyone's ball game is how you kind of feel at this point. Uh, a mismatch, by the way, and surprising he didn't go at him more, was LeBron James versus Malik Beasley. Now they do uh, throw it back into him, but at that point the team is able to reset, and uh, you know it ends up being a corner three-point shot, which does not go in. So Wolves get the ball back, down just nine points. This is the Wolves' chance to keep uh, breaking into that lead. Under five to go, Anthony Edwards cuts in. He's got the mismatch with Gasol on him. They quickly double-team, and then Rubio, wide open for three. Why is Rubio wide open? Because he's Ricky Rubio, right? And this is a play that, to me, is a game-changer. It's one of two plays here. So Vando gets this great rebound, and here he has He's guarded by Marcus Gasol kind of in the corner, but you know who's next to him in the corner for wide open three? Carl Anthony Towns. Carl is pleading with Vando to throw him the ball. What does Vando do? looks him away, and actually tries driving in, and instead <laughs> misses a contested layup. Probably still should have made it. Yes, it's contested. Still should have made it. And then the Lakers go down and get an easy two points. So frustrating, and there were multiple points in this fourth quarter where I was very annoyed with the decision-making of Jared Vanderbilt. So frustrating, because now you're down 11 points again. And you shouldn't be, right? You, should, you had an opportunity there. But guess who comes back on the other end to close the gap a little more? Anthony Edwards with a fantastic three from the top of the key. And he is feeling it in this game. Wolves down eight points now. But again, should be probably five points or six points if you just had Vanderbilt making the right decisions. The one thing I will say about Vanderbilt, though, and we touched on this earlier, is that I liked the effort he gave on defense on LeBron James. Foolish, foolish foul on Ricky Rubio here away from the basketball, but Rubio is adamant that it was not a foul, and it's tough. They don't really show a replay here, so it's tough to say whether or not it was, but he seems pretty adamant, and here's the deal. The Lakers are in the bonus. Another play that just makes a big impact, and to me, it's Rubio. He's just being too aggressive, and he's upset about the call, but there's just no point. He's he's out at like the half court line almost. We just you don't need to be that aggressive in that instance. It just doesn't do anything, especially with the Lakers in the bonus. Uh, it's one of those things where it's just not worth the risk. It's not worth taking that chance. the The risk reward factor is just not worth it. So now you're sending uh, Dennis Schroeder to the line. Uh, and you get very fortunate. He does miss the first free throw, so you're able to uh, stick with that eight-point lead, and then he is able to miss the second. So it's one of those things where, yes, it didn't end up impacting the game negatively, but Rubio's got to be smarter than that. And that goes back to what we talked about. He's normally a high-IQ player. We have not seen it this season. Malik Beasley tries to come to the party, takes a very difficult three-point shot, does not make it, but in the end, Anthony Edwards able to get the corner three, and just like that, the Wolves are within five points. And the team is so pumped up, and Anthony Edwards is all smiles. He is all confidence. 27 points now for him in this game, and that's a career high. Again, you're within five points. You got a shot here. There's still three minutes left. It's anyone's basketball game at this exact moment. And then you get the turnover as there's a Lakers travel. And now you have the ball here, and you can make this. You can get this to a one-possession basketball game. How impressive is that? You know, you were down fifth or 14 points just recently, and pretty much Anthony Edwards, almost on his own it felt like, was able to get the Wolves back into this game. You're down five as Anthony Edwards is bringing the ball back up. 
you have all this confidence for Anthony Edwards. And think about this. In many cases, you're seeing the Lakers double-teaming Anthony Edwards. And he this, is, this was a game-changer here. It was such an impressive play. It didn't work out, and it helped out the Lakers, unfortunately. But he splits the double-team, drives in, makes the basket. Anthony Edwards does. But LeBron James, just doing LeBron James things, just does a great job taking a charge. And it was absolutely a charge. Le- LeBron did a very, very good job, in my estimation. But it's one of those things. It's a bang-bang play. It's it's. It's very close, and I don't fault Anthony Edwards at all for doing it. I love the aggression, and he makes the basket. Think about this. If LeBron is just a little later, that's an and one, and now it's a three-point game, possibly a two-point game. But in reality, the Lakers get the ball back. Uh, One thing I'll say about this specific possession was the defense that Vando had on LeBron James was so impressive. It ends up leading to uh, the Lakers taking a tough shot. And now here's Anthony Edwards trying to get the job done again. They double-team him. He throws it into Rubio, who's open. Rubio tries the layup, and here's the problem, and this is frustrating. Rubio makes the right call, right? Drives in, makes the, takes the shot because he sees that Vando's streaking in. So if Rubio misses that shot, Vando's right there for the putback. Vando basically, it's almost like he thinks like he's stuck between a dunk and a layup, and as a result, he misses it. And just like that, what could have been a three-point game is now Lakers ball still up five, and you're you know two minutes and twenty seconds left in the game. To me, that was right there was the turning point. Those two possessions right there, where you know you had the offensive foul on Ant, and then you have the the possession, unfortunately. And then here's the thing, right after that, and this is where we're going to stop it actually. So right after that, you have uh, Kuzma uh, scores the uh, kind of the. The way I see Kyle Kuzma play, I feel like a lot of his game is just kind of uh, right place at the right time. So we, the Wolves make a pretty good effort on defense. Looks like they might get a stop. The ball bounces into Kuzma's hands, and he's able to uh, drive in for a, what ends up being a, a relatively simple layup. That, to me, says a lot about Kyle Kuzma's game. And now you're down seven points with two minutes to go, and the Wolves really just couldn't get it back at that point. That was really the end of it for me uh, when you watch it because – you have this opportunity. It should be a three-point game if Vando just makes this, I mean, literally wide open uh, putback, dunk, or layup, depending on how you want to do it. It just uh, unfortunately was not meant to be. And and a big part of that, too, you did get other looks, by the way, uh, just to kind of you know break it down. The Wolves had a shot to get it back to within four. Anthony Edwards t- had a good look uh, out of a, a I don't know if it was really a play set, but uh, you know, some good ball movement led to another fairly open shot for Andy. Missed it, um, and it was... Just not meant to be for the Wolves uh, last night. But all things considered, I felt like they played fairly well. We just need to see some adjustments from Ryan Saunders. And here's the problem. We've been asking for this for weeks, months maybe. We've been asking for some adjustments, and they just have not come, unfortunately. And so the Wolves could be for for the, fu- for the near future at least. It could be a little rough because I just think Ryan Saunders is in a position where he just is in over his head. And we've touched on this in other episodes. But the sooner the organization moves on from him, I think the better long-term. That's going to make the most sense. Coming up, we are going to touch on the Pacers game. An interesting note for the Pacers game is that uh, Ryan Saunders has made the decision to put Malik Beasley on the bench, and McDaniels is going to start instead. And it is a pretty standard for this team disciplinary uh, action because for warm-ups today, Malik Beasley was late. Or warm-ups or shoot-around, one of the two. But Malik Beasley was late. They've done this to other players before. It's common. They just have Malik Beasley uh, start off the bench as opposed to starting. And 
I'm not going to say it's a blessing in disguise necessarily, but it does give us an opportunity to look at an interesting lineup. Now you got McDaniels playing the three, Vivando at the four. I think that's intriguing. I think it's going to be kind of fun to watch. The other fun storyline for the Pacers is, you know, I was very high coming out of the draft on DeMontis Sabonis, and he has proven me right. He was a guy that I actually thought made some sense to take him at our pick during that draft, and people kind of laughed at me and thought that was foolish. Well, Look Look what happened now. I always enjoy watching him play, and so that's going to be a fun matchup, seeing how our guys are able to you know, attack him and how they're able to defend him. So time will tell on that. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is The Howl, and we'll be coming back at you in a few with the Pacers-Wolves look back. All right, so taking a look at the next game on the Wolves' schedule – and it was another game where you really, unfortunately, felt a little heartbreak. Team that has found a way better than pretty much any team this season, found a way to lose games in which they're up by double digits. Now, after this most recent loss, this puts them at 5-5 five and five on the season. When you watch this game, what was really frustrating, there were multiple times where you felt like if they just hit this one shot or if they you know, just got this one stop, you really felt like it would have been the nail in the coffin type situation. But for whatever reason, it seemed like every time they got to that point, they couldn't hit the shot. They couldn't play defense. One thing interesting in this specific game I want to touch on a little bit is we've really struggled at times on transition defense. And I'll give you a couple examples. There was one play where Ricky Rubio makes this really cool layup it's like a reverse layup it was kind of acrobatic you know he comes back down the court him and Towns are real excited about this shot he just made and then they get the ball to Rubio's man and I I apologize I don't remember specifically who he was guarding at that moment but what was so frustrating about it was that he's flat-footed he's not in the defensive position and he just gets blown right by for an easy layup and plays like that can't happen what's frustrating too is Normally when you watch basketball games, when a guy just scores, you see him become really engaged on the defensive end. So, for example, you'll see a guy hit a three or see a guy hit a layup or, or make some sort of play on the offensive end, and when they come back down, I always laugh because a lot of times when a guy scores, all of a sudden he's like the captain of the defense, right? It, you're sitting here, and all of a sudden I've scored. It's like I'm the captain now. I've got this, and I'm telling guys where to go. Make sure you get this guy. Make sure you get this guy. It's always kind of funny to me. Um, if you haven't noticed that, watch for it. It's it's it happens at all levels of basketball. So Rubio makes his pass, comes back down. Be the captain, man. Be the captain. Instead, he comes back. He's he's flat footed. He's not in the defensive stance, and he just gets blown right by because he's not ready. And it's plays like that that are so frustrating. And here's what I want to talk uh, a little bit about Ricky Rubio. So Ricky Rubio has been playing much better as of late, and he's been making shots. He's been making three-point shots. That's exactly what you want to see, right? These are the things we're talking about. This is huge. But the problem that we run into is that there still are plays where he makes low IQ decisions. And it's so frustrating to me because that's not who he is as a player normally. But on this season, that's, that's exactly what we've seen from him. And that's what's really so frustrating. That's what's so maddening to me is when you watch that specifically happen. So um, hopefully he can get that adjusted. And one thing I want to specifically touch on when we're talking about Ricky Rubio is 
towards the end of the game, you're in you're so the wolves are up by the wolves were up by two at this point. Um well, I think it might have been three actually. Well the wolves are on top. And Ru- Rubio goes in and you're at this point, this is what we talked about earlier, this nail in the coffin thing, right? And he has a chance to to push it to the a two possession game. And he dribbles the ball around. And and to me, if you want to win this game, if you want to score, what are you doing? You're getting the ball to Anthony Edwards, or you're getting the ball to Carl Anthony Towns. Instead, Ricky Rubio dribbles around a bunch like he's freaking JJ Barea, and then throws up that stupid fadeaway lefty shot. Makes no sense. Of course he doesn't make it. They go down score, and that's pretty much all she wrote. We end up going into overtime. Now, here's the thing. End of this game, Anthony Edwards gets a good look off. I don't think most people would complain about the shot Anthony Edwards got. And, of course, in typical Wolves, typical Timberwolves, bad luck fashion, the shot goes basically all the way in and then pops out somehow. Uh, Ryan Saunders, after the game, touched on the fact that, and I thought this was kind of interesting, he actually talked about how the way that the play was designed was to to get it so that Edwards or Towns were going to the basket. Now, of course, just because you design a play doesn't mean it's going to work that way. Things change. I think all things considered, it was a good idea to try to get to the basket by Ryan Saunders, but the shot we ended up getting off was fine, and it just didn't work out our way. And then you fast forward to overtime, and let's just say there wasn't a whole lot to like about overtime. It was a little bit of a back and forth. The Wolves fought, but we saw this a lot of the fourth quarter, and it was interesting because in the first half of this game, you felt like the Wolves just couldn't miss from three. And so what was odd to me is the Pacers end up switching to a zone defense in that fourth quarter. And it was odd to me because the key to breaking a zone is shooting and making shots. We had done that. We had been making three-point shots. So it was so strange to me that in the fourth quarter, for whatever reason, the Pacers switched to a zone defense, which normally if a team's making shots, you wouldn't want to do that. But they switched, and and we couldn't make shots. It was so strange. We got open looks, couldn't hit them. And then, you know, we get to a point, you know, in the fourth quarter at one point we had a 10 or a 12-point lead, and we just couldn't close the deal. And we had, there were so many times, for example, um, there was two specific possessions. We come down in transition, and nobody covers Sabonis from three. Now, we were lucky. You only made one of two. But my goodness, it's, it's, it's maddening when you see stuff like that happen. And so it's the kind of thing where you just keep watching them and you see what happens. One thing I want to touch on, they talked about during the telecast, uh, so Jim and Dave were talking about the timeout situation. It was kind of interesting. Towards the end of this game, the Pacers only had one timeout left, and it was going to be it was going to have to be used as the mandatory timeout. And so I thought it was interesting. He actually ended up sending out the timeout rules. I think these are interesting to go over. So each team gets seven timeouts per game. Uh, there must be two mandatory timeouts each quarter, so 6.59 and 2.59. 2.45 for local games, 3.15 for national games. All other timeouts are 1.15, and quarter breaks are 2.30. Home team gets charged with the first timeout, and timeouts alternate is kind of how that works. So each team is typically charged four mandatory timeouts. Teams can enter the fourth quarter with no more than four timeouts. Teams must save a timeout for the fourth quarter mandatory. If they do not, the team gets charged a technical. 
Teams can enter the final three minutes of regulation with no more than two timeouts. It is use it or lose it under three minutes. And we've seen that with a lot of Wolves games. And I really appreciate this about them. Jim and Dave will actually mention that. They will say, oh, you know, Ryan used that timeout because he was going to lose it. Each team gets two timeouts in overtime. So, anyways, I found that kind of intriguing. I thought it kind of went over some of the, the interesting aspects of the timeout rules. Uh, you know what? End of the day, this was a tough loss. This one stings. Not not that we haven't had a ton of these. So, uh, really, really frustrating. A few things I want to go over. We touched on this a little bit earlier. So, D'Angelo Russell, obviously, is going to be out uh, four to six weeks. But here's something that I found interesting. So, De- uh, Dane Moore tweeted out, D'Angelo Russell had the same surgery on the knee, same knee back in 2017. Was out 68 days. That actually puts him at at 10 weeks. That's a that's a huge difference. They mentioned that he also only played 18 minutes per game in the three weeks following his injury, after playing 28 per game pre-injury. So if you use that same 13 week timetable, he wouldn't even be back playing full minutes till mid May. So at that point, he's basically, for the most part, out the entire rest of the season. Very frustrating. I'm not upset with D'Angelo Russell by any means. It's just one of the things you see, and it's 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 just unfortunate. Uh, a couple other stats I want to kind of go over, and actually some of these were before the Pacer game that I noticed these, and I, I should have mentioned them in that segment. Uh, when you look at the 2021 rookies, uh, per 100 possessions on defense, number two rookie, Jaden McDaniels. Let that sink in. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, the one thing I want to mention too, though, so this is actually from the B-Ball Index, so while it's cool to see Jaden McDaniels on that list, if you go to their list of like impact players, not specifically on defense, but just in general, the second-to-last player, according to this, is Anthony Edwards. I'm sorry, but if you have a metric that has Anthony Edwards, arguably one of the favorites to win the Rookie of the Year based on how he's playing right now, if you have a metric that has him as one of the worst rookies, you need to rethink that metric. Because... There's no way he's one of the worst rookies. And if you watch him play, I think every single team in the NBA would say right now, oh, I would love to have Anthony Edwards. Maybe some teams wouldn't want him over the rookie that they chose, right? I mean, I think that's fair. If you're the Kings, you might say, you know, I think we like Tyrese Halliburton. If you're Charlotte, you might say, yeah, I like LaMelo Ball. I'm not, I'm not making that switch. But my po- the point is still valid. They would love to have the guy. They would love to have Anthony Edwards on that team. Uh, some other interesting things. So going into before the Pacer game, uh, Towns and McDaniels, 31 minutes together uh, so far this season, and they had produced a plus 24.8 rating. I want to see those two guys play together more. I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say I want to see those guys starting games. I want Jaden McDaniels starting. I have no issue if they do want to start Vando, and I get why they do it, but I do need to have minutes where McDaniels and Towns play together. And the one that we're starting to see now is Ryan Saunders has made some adjustments. I'll say this. I thought Ryan Saunders did a very good job of coaching uh, in that Pacer game. It was really nice to see. I thought he made timeouts appropriately, substitutions appropriately, didn't let teams go on runs necessarily. I think a lot of it was just the players not able to get the job done in this one. But end of games, we're starting to see McDaniels play more. That's what needs to happen. We've had a number of games, I think everyone would agree, where it would have been nice to see those guys play together. And by the way, how you get that 24.8 net rating is 140 offensive rating and 115 defensive rating. So let that sink in. 
And on top of that, let's not pretend these were bad minutes. The 31 minutes they had played together were against the Clippers, the Raptors, Lakers, and Hornets. So a lot to like there. Another thing that we found is uh, Anthony Edwards, this is from the Timberwolves PR, Anthony Edwards became the fourth Timberwolves rookie and only rookie in the NBA this year to record a stat line of 25 points, uh, five-plus rebounds, five-plus assists, and two-plus blocks. That was actually from the previous game. So there's a lot to like about what we're seeing from this Timberwolves team, and I'm hopeful that this next game they have against the Raptors, the team's going to be able to find a win there, and we're going to discuss that uh, coming up on the episode. My prediction, by the way, for that game, I am predicting that the Wolves are in another position where it's going to go one way or the other, and I think they find a way to finish off the victory. So I think they win by somewhere in the 5-10 to 10 range in that game. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel, and this is The Howl. Jumping in to the next game on the schedule here. We previewed it a little bit. We talked about it a little bit, but we have Timberwolves taking on the Raptors. Uh, second matchup of the week against the Raptors. First matchup, of course, went very well. One of the most recent wins for the Timberwolves. One of the few games they've won in recent memory. This game, unfortunately, did not go the way we had hoped. I had previewed this game and said I thought that the Wolves were going to be put in a position where normally they would fail, and this time they wouldn't. And Sadly, that's not the case. They failed yet again. And what I'm going to say is I don't think the Timberwolves lost. I'm going to say Ricky Rubio and Ryan Saunders lost us this game. For whatever reason, let's start with this. People like to talk about hubris. People like to talk about how Ryan Saunders got where he was because of his last name. I think that's partially true. I've been pretty adamant against that for a long time. I just don't think that tells the whole story. I think Ryan Saunders is a very good coach. He's just not a really good head coach. But he had done things, right? It's not like he just walked in one day and was like, hey, Dad, can I get a job? He didn't do that. He started at the U of M, right? He, he worked his way up. He started his own analytics company. There's things that Ryan did and had been doing. It's not like he just walked up off the street and got a job. That's not what happened. But here's what I'm going to say. I think Ricky Rubio actually is getting that treatment the, because he's not earning his minutes. Has he played some good games? And recently, have we felt like maybe he was playing better than he had been? Sure. But low bar, right? He had played really bad basketball. It had been quite ugly, to say the least. And so I sit here and I watch this, and I say to myself, and I'm while I'm going into this game, there were two things that I felt could cost the Wolves in this game. So they're playing well. They're, they had that nice comeback, right? Because they started off really poorly. The Wolves really started off this game poorly. In fact, it was funny because I happened to jump on to uh, a Facebook Timberwolves chat during the game and happen to see people going, man, this game stinks, this game sucks, uh, the Wolves are terrible, what a terrible organization. And at that time, I hadn't actually been watching the game. I was doing some other work for the radio station, and I went onto Facebook to check Marketplace for something, and I see that, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we must just be getting killed. Turns out at that moment, you know what the score was? 28-17. to 17. I'm sorry, but as a Wolves fan, you shouldn't be freaking out over 11 points given how badly we've played, uh, not only this year, but in other, other seasons. Come on, like let's, let's be honest here. So Wolves did a very good job coming back. Some fantastic defense uh, during multiple stretches in this game. 
The one the one thing I'll say about this though is before we you know get back on topic of you know Ricky Rubio, but when you're watching the Wolves on defense, one thing I've started to notice, and this is very frustrating, I think they're improving on the defensive end, but the one thing that I'm not seeing enough improvement is transition defense. Guys not getting back, or if they do get back, they're not actually guarding someone. So like it's great. Look, you rushed on the court. Awesome. Like, you did a portion. You put the effort in. But then when you get down there, how are you not finding your man or finding a guy within your zone, depending on how you're defending? Just ridiculous to me. And not only that, not just finding a guy. We touched on this with Rubio in the last game. It's great. You found a guy, right? That's part of it. You rushed on the court. That's part of it, too. So you've done the first two things. But then get in the defensive stance. Don't just stand straight up. If you're not down, ready to defend, a lot of players in the NBA are athletic. They're fast. They're going to run right by you. And that happens so often. It happens so often, and it's so frustrating. Another thing, too, let's not compound it. Let's not compound the issues we've had. For example, in last night's game, so two guys got back. I think it was Nas Reed and I think the second, well, I know the second player for sure was Jake Lehman because Jake Lehman, what he did was he compounded the error. So they had gotten back, but they weren't really in a good like defensive stance necessarily. They had gotten back, but then a nice move by whoever was on offense for the Raptors, I, I can't recall the player, made a nice move. And Jake Lehman went to try to foul, but he just slapped at the guy because he had kind of gotten beat. If you're getting beat and and you don't think you have a good chance of stopping them, you either need to hard foul, not like, not a dirty foul, but make like wrap him up, right? Make sure he's not going to make it. Don't just slap at the ball. What happens? He makes the shot, of course, and then he makes the free throw. Don't do that. Don't compound the errors that you've already made. It just doesn't make any sense. So very frustrating there. But back to the original point I was making is that, you know, throughout the game, I'm watching saying, all right, What's going to be the Wolves' undoing in this game if they can keep this lead? What's going to be the undoing is at the end of the game because I think they're going to stick with the starters, which are Ricky Rubio and Jared Vanderbilt. Now, recently, we have seen Ryan start to go with Jaden McDaniels. That's absolutely the right call. That is who should be closing games for you. That is your best four. And Ricky Rubio just continues to lose us games at the end of games, making bad decisions, taking stupid shots, bad passes. His defense isn't consistent like it used to be, and it's so frustrating. So I'm watching this game going, all right, Jordan McLaughlin has clearly been the better point guard. What is? What are we going to see from Ryan Saunders? Is he going to do the right thing? And then, of course, Jaden McDaniels. Are they going to do the right thing? Are they going to play the correct players to get the defense that the team needs? What is going to happen with the rotations at the end of the game. So fast forward, right? You're at the end of the, you're close to the end of the game. And what exactly does Ryan Saunders do? Well, he goes halfway. And it's funny is I remember watching last night's game thinking to myself, Ryan Saunders has done a pretty good job of coaching this game, right? I thought he made a nice call throwing Jake Lehman in who hadn't been playing recently. Jake Lehman comes in and immediately the Wolves went on like a 16 to one run or a 16 to run. I mean, it was absolutely incredible, not only because of Jake Lehman, of course, but it was a nice move that mixed things up. You got someone with fresh legs, and to that point, Anthony Edwards had struggled a little bit. There had been other players that had struggled. Why not give the guy a shot, right? And it paid off, so great job 
in that regard. The defense had some stretches of just absolutely elite basketball. I believe it was the third quarter where, you know, with, with eight, or let's see, around eight minutes to go all the way to the end, they scored like two points. We did a really good job at stretches of this game. We really did. But what good does that do if you come to the end of the game and you just all of a sudden decide, well, uh, let's just go with Ricky Rubio because his name's Ricky Rubio and I'm friends with him or I, I like him. He's done things in the past. We've all seen that Ricky Rubio is not the same player this year. Everyone knows it apparently except for Ryan Saunders. Now, I don't believe for a second that his coaching staff hasn't had this conversation with him, right? Or that Rosas hasn't had this conversation with him. Play the players that have earned the minutes. It's not hard. I don't understand this. It seems like every single fan, no matter if you're a fan of the Wolves, fan of Ricky Rubio, it seems like everybody understands this except for Ryan Saunders, and it's so frustrating. So what we're going to do here is I've brought the game to a stopping point at the... We're looking at the 4 minute and 47 second mark. So here's the deal. Wolves are up 79-75. They have the four-point lead. They've got three timeouts. So do the Raptors. 447 left, and we have the ball. Ricky Rubio is in the game now. Now, one thing I'll give, I'll sort of give Ryan credit for, even though I don't think it's necessarily credit to just do what anyone with a brain would do, is Vando did not end this game. We did go with Jade McDaniels, which is great, right? That's great, but when your main guy, when your ball hand, main ball handler is Ricky Rubio, and it's not like it's one of those instances where you're kind of alternating possessions or like Ricky Rubio's on the court for a specific reason, but he's not always. He had the ball in his hands a ton, and time after time, he makes the wrong decisions, as we're going to see here. All right, so Ricky brings the ball up, gets it to Beasley. By the way, another player that just... Someone else pointed this out on Twitter, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. At the end of game situations, Mike or Malik Beasley makes so many mistakes. So many mistakes. And here's how this possession goes. Ricky Rubio, so where he gets he ends up getting the ball, gets it in the uh in the corner. So they throw it to him in the corner. And one thing you'll notice about the Raptors is that, you know, you're not open for very long. Well, so here's what Ricky Rubio does. He dribbles it into the corner, calls a timeout. Call timeout, that's fine. But call it earlier. You you should you should be aware of the shot clock. He calls it with 1.4 seconds left. Not exactly a lot of time for the Wolves to really make any sort of an impact here. It's very, very frustrating. And, you know, granted, you know, at 4.30, think about this. It's, it's one of those, it's a use it or lose it timeout, right? So if he doesn't call the timeout there, or if it does not get called some point before the three-minute mark, he lose, we lose that timeout. That's how that rule works. But it's so frustrating because now you have 1.4 seconds to try to do something out of this timeout, and here's how the play goes. Anthony Edwards brings it in. They they run kind of a, a set of screens. They get it to Malik Beasley, who takes a very much contested three-point shot, so not even a successful play, and he airballs it. So frustrating. And now here's the deal. Malik Beasley has the ability to get quick shots off, has the ability to hit contested shots. But this one had no chance. And we just got through talking about how Malik Beasley, if you watch him at the end of games, makes a lot of bad decisions. A lot of bad decisions. And this game was no different. So Wolves now, of course, up by four. It is Raptors ball. And you're watching saying, all right, 
We already know they lose, right? What is the uh, what's the secret here? What causes them to lose this basketball game? Well, part of it is, you know, a little bit of nonsense, just not knowing where to be. First possession on defense, Ricky Rubio screws up. Now you have this. You're coming down the court, right? Malik Beasley brings the ball up, and Ricky Rubio's going, pass me the ball. I'm the guy. Pass me the ball. Beasley doesn't do that. And so you're already seeing a little bit of friction with the guys that are on the court, right? Because Rubio wants to be the guy. Now, it was fortunate. We ended up getting a foul, so it didn't matter, and it didn't hurt us at all. But that's the thing. We've been very fortunate. So the Raptors, for example, didn't score in the last possession. Well, you know what? They should have. They missed a wide-open layup. That's one of those things you watch for, and you, and you say, it's so frustrating. And by the way, you know who screwed up on the defensive end? Ricky Rubio. So you watch this, and, and you definitely get frustrated. Now, here's the deal. Wolves score a fantastic move by Carl Towns. Now the Wolves are able to build that lead up to six points, 81-75. There is 3.32 to go in the game. Now you have a drive in, and Carl Towns gets called for the reach, and he is not happy, to say the least. And I will say this. I have noticed that just recently especially, man, rough, rough refereeing for the Timberwolves. Now, granted, that's pretty consistent. Like it's not like it's not like we're sitting here saying, all right, in the history of the Wolves organization, they've had really well well officiated games. That's not the case. They they historically have not had that. In fact, how many times as Wolves fans can we sit here and say that the next day after a game in that two minute report, you know, they're telling us, Oh, sorry, we screwed up. Far too often. Far too often. So Carl Collins bleh, Carl Towns. Gets called for the foul, just a slap, and they were in the bonus. It's a bad foul. They get two free points. So just like that, they're back within four. Ricky Rubio drives in, throws it out to Ant, who is open, sort of. But the thing you run into with the Raptors is that they close so quickly. So if you're open, it's not going to be for very long. Next, you have our. we get the ball back, though, and Rubio throws it into Towns. That play worked out pretty well, right? You throw it into Towns. But here's the issue. Not a great pass, and actually very fortunate that that wasn't turned over. Rubio was very fortunate there. Uh, they end up getting the foul. Unfortunately for the Wolves, though, we're still not in the bonus because haven't had a lot of fouls called. Not necessarily because there were fouls. That's just the way it's worked out so far. So still 81-77 now with three minutes to go. Ricky Rubio gets the ball, and he ends up driving it in, and he dribbles it off his foot. Yes, that's right. Dribbles it off his foot out of bounds. Turns the ball over, and now under three minutes to go, and it's Raptors ball, Wolves up four. And that is our 15th Wolves turnover. It's not the end of the world, I guess you could say. You know, it's not one of those games where you're sitting there going, all right, we got 30. But nope, uh, 15 turnovers, you'd like it to be better. But that was a crucial one. But we get lucky again. The Raptors come down, hit a three-pointer, but he had stepped out of bounds. So the three-pointer does not count. Another example of that transition defense and the funny thing is there's no excuse for it there because it's not like it's a a true transition uh play right the ball went out of bounce it's just a standard half court offense so it's very frustrating Ricky Rubio in this game at many stretches I'm sitting here watching and I'm saying to myself all right why are you trying to emulate JJ Barea because that's what it felt like he dribbled the air out of the basketball constantly now here's a possession that I found interesting and I you know I, I watched it last night and to me when I was watching it live, it looked like Ricky Rubio gets fouled. So he brings the ball up the court, dribbles it for basically the entire 24 seconds, right? 
He just dribbles around. He gets it a little bit to Jaden McDaniels. But after that, gets it right back and just dribbles, dribbles, dribbles. So he drives in. And honestly, as I watch it back, he just falls over. Just falls over. They, of course, get the fast break score. And now it is a one-possession game, 81-79. So Ricky Rubio yet again with the turnover. And here's the thing. If he hadn't slipped... Given the time on the shot clock, you know what he was probably doing? Because that's where he was cutting to, is he was doing that stupid fadeaway to the left shot that I don't know that he's ever made, and yet he makes it his signature move. You know what? If you're the Raptors, let him shoot it. Let him shoot it every possession. Because seriously, if Ryan Saunders isn't going to pull him for J- for Jordan McLaughlin, just let him keep shooting. I guess that's what you should do if you're the Raptors, because you know he's not going to make it. I mean, he's making that shot so incredibly difficult, and it's so frustrating. So here we get the ball back now, of course. There's just over two minutes left. Rubio brings it up, throws it out to Anthony Edwards, sets the screen. And here's the thing. They're not even guarding Ricky Rubio right now because they know, like, why do we need to guard Ricky Rubio? It's not going to go in. He's not. Gonna, if he gets the ball, he's going to make a mistake. Anthony Edwards ends up shooting, takes a contested three, which he does miss. Very similar three, actually, to the one he missed uh, to try to win that Pacers game. And here you go again, and this has been a common theme here in this one. Uh, Wolves lose sight on defense, do a poor job. What ends up happening is it's it's not Rubio this time. This time it's Malik Beasley and Carl Towns. There's a, there's a screw-up, wide-open shot for the Raptors. Wolves get lucky yet again. It gets missed. So how many times have we seen in these final three, four minutes the Wolves screwing up and getting lucky? A lot. So they're still up by two points, though, somehow, with a minute 40 to go. 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Guess what? Rubio still hasn't passed. He finally passes it at 8 seconds, and we talked about this earlier. Beasley's open for just a second, and all it takes is he tries to shoot it, and Malik Beasley gets it blocked. Should not have taken that shot. I mean, there's just no reason to do it, and of course, what happens in transition? No defense, a fast break, and now the game is tied. Wolves, though, have the ball, right? There's a minute and 15 seconds left, but here we go again, all the way down to eight seconds this time before Ricky Rubio gives the ball up. You don't have the lead. You can't just sit here and try to waste time. You're losing the game right now, or you're tied. But, like, if you keep this up, you're just going to lose the game. So Ricky Rubio, like I said, dribbles it up, dribbles it around for half an hour, doesn't really do much of anything. There's not really any action, but he throws it out to Carl Towns. Carl Towns gets a wide-open, for the most part, three-point shot, and he misses it. That's a big point. Now, here's the deal. Carl Towns was fantastic in this game. I am not ripping Carl Towns. Carl Towns is not remotely the reason why we end up losing this one. But it is unfortunate that despite all of the errors, all of the issues, all of the problems we saw here in the fourth quarter, we still had a shot there to take the three-point lead. It didn't go in. That's fine. But it's frustrating as a Wolves fan. And then what, of course, comes down? Wolves come down and again miss on the defensive end they leave Fred Van Vliet wide open and they're fortunate that he misses the shot that's three or four times now we've talked about this where the Wolves have gotten very fortunate whether the guy stepped out of bounds whether it was just a miss very very fortunate and honestly the Wolves are lucky they didn't lose this game by more that's the way I look at it here but here you are you got lucky 50 seconds to go 81-81 is the score Ricky Rubio's bringing the ball up. Let's take a look. What is Ricky Rubio going to do? Is he going to dribble around for 20 minutes and then we're just going to turn the ball over? I guess we'll see. Uh, Luckily, Ryan Saunders calls a timeout. Probably one of the few things he did at the end of the game that made some sense. So he gets the timeout. Tie game. What are we going to draw? 
As a Wolves fan, I say to myself, you got to get the ball to Anthony Edwards or Carl Towns. Now, the problem with Anthony Edwards is he hasn't really had it in this game, but he's a guy that I think is not afraid to take that big shot, and I trust him uh, for the most part to at least make a pretty good or a smart decision. So I, I still think that it makes sense to have him on the list. Now, if you can get Beasley wide open for a three-point shot, that's another shot that makes a lot of sense. Those are the things. What they end up doing is they have Beasley throwing the ball in, gets it to Ricky Rubio, and you have the Carltown screen because that's the only play we ever run. And, of course, what ends up happening is so it's a screen on Rubio to move him to the side, and then Towns runs over to set a screen for Beasley. I'm assuming Beasley's the guy that's supposed to get set up for the shot. And what happens, Beasley actually moves too early. So he moves before the screen is actually set. And what happens because of that? Carl Towns gets called for the offensive foul. Jim Peterson has harped on this numerous times in some of these games. Don't leave too early. This shouldn't be that difficult. Wait for the screen to be set, and then you can move. But you're putting Carl Towns in a crappy position. And so many times, Carl Towns gets set up for these just tough foul calls. So here we are, next possession, of course, and the Raptors are bringing it up. Raptors have the ball. Wolves a little fortunate, you hope, right? It's not a transition situation. Maybe they can step up. And again, you have the, the issue where uh, too many screens. We talk about how the Raptors are really good about really closing out and finding ways to be quick about uh, coming up with stuff. And here's the problem you run into is that Anthony Edwards gets screened. It's just a nice offensive set. I don't think the Wolves necessarily screwed up. It's just a very nice offensive play. And, and kind of break it down is they bring the ball up. Anthony Edwards gets screened as he's trying to uh, you know, cut out to cover his man who cuts to the three-point line. And a three-pointer is made. And just like that, the Wolves are down by three points with uh, not a lot of time left on the shot clock. And Jim Peterson said it best. Of course that went in. Very dejected because he should be. And just like that, Raptors are on a 9-0 run. A 9-0 run over the last three minutes. Just ugly as it gets. And then what happens? What do you think happens after that? Malik Beasley, the guy that we talked about, making so many low IQ moves at the end of basketball games, does exactly that. A low IQ move, and he takes a contested three, and they were very clear about this, by the way, after the game. Ryan Saunders said, we drew up a play for this, and it was not a contested three-point shot. The goal was to get the ball inside, was to take it to the hoop. Here we have Malik Beasley either, I don't know what he's doing, he's just not listening. Some people have talked about maybe they just don't respect Ryan Saunders. First of all, I don't care who you are, you respect the head coach. If you don't appreciate what he's done, or if you don't appreciate the way he's doing things, that's fine but you listen to your coach. I just, it's frustrating to me. And Malik Beasley, there's something going on there. I don't know what it is, but end of basketball games, it's just tough to trust him. He's a very, very good player. And that's the one area where I say to myself, I, I need to see improvements there. So again, gets the shot blocked. Raptors come down the court. Wolves are forced to foul. And of course, that's all she wrote. Wolves do end up, of course, losing this basketball game. It's so frustrating. Uh, to say the least, if you're a Wolves fan, I don't know how you go into any of these games expecting the Wolves to win. I don't. I mean, I, I mean, I did, I guess. I did. I, I thought that my prediction had had a chance. But at this point, I should say, going forward, going forward, I just don't see how you can be a Wolves fan and expect wins. Ryan Saunders needs to be gone. So many mistakes. You win this game. I'll tell you right now, I guarantee it that you win this game if Jordan McLaughlin's in at the end of the game. I guarantee it. 
makes good decisions. He's faster. And it's both ends, I would say. He makes both uh, smarter decisions on both offense and defense. Very frustrating. And, of course, uh, you know, come up, we have the next game on Sunday. You've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. This is The Howl. And remember, if you missed any of this show, you can find us on all podcast formats. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Podient, iTunes, everywhere you find podcasts, we are available there. And, of course, Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Again, you've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. This has been The Howl, and until next week, let me get a howl.